Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of it's not aliens, it's worse, it's us. And monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to this show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. Now, without further ado, our guest for today is Christy Whitman, and she has written a ton of books, one of them called Timming Your Alpha Bitch. And I have to say, I have had my ass kicked many times by alpha bitches. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, Gary. I'm looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> so you are a life coach or like a motivational speaker, personal? All of, yeah, all of that. Whatever. I'm a channel. I'm a channel for the, the Quantum Council of Light. So I channel uh, infinite beings to bring information to other people's lives to help them learn how to master their own energy and create what they desire. Hmm. So yes, for, for 20 years, I've been a coach and I've certified law of attraction coaches since 2008. And I've, I've been written several books, including, you know, seven hardback or paperback books and three eBooks. So I've been doing, I've been out this for a while. Wow. So, um, what is the Quantum Council of Light? Like, who are these people, or guys, or spirits, or angels, or yeah, aliens? <laughs> so, so they're ascended masters. They're some of the highest um, ascended masters that are able to be channeled right now on the planet, um, and they are just a collective consciousness that I open up to. My consciousness goes out, and their consciousness comes in. And my voice changes and I, you know, I sound different. And the wisdom that comes out, obviously, is very different. Can you channel St. Germain? I haven't tried to, but I'm sure that if they're part of the council, that they would, uh, they would bring them forth. My, my sister, who um, 25 years ago, who committed suicide, one time a client was asking them about bipolar and my sister came through. And uh, when I watched it later, they... I looked like my sister, so um, and we've had other different um, beings come through too. So, have you had any beings come through that I would be familiar with? Christ, ah, yeah. Jesus, yeah, yeah, Heard of him. Jesus Christ, so yeah. What's, so, what's he? Up it was to? <laughs> well, he's just pure positive energy, and uh, Cleopatra is another one that came through, and a couple of other goddesses. So. It's it's pretty pretty amazing because when when I get into channeling mode, I'm my Christy that my consciousness goes out and their mm -hmm. consciousness comes in. And so if a client or someone asks them, you know, to bring forth somebody, that's what they do if they are part of the collective consciousness. Which you know, I don't know why they wouldn't be. Interesting. So. What is the uh, what does the Council of Light want for humanity? To, for us to understand who we really are and what we're connected to. So what the, for one of the first things that they came through through me is that we are all infinitely loved 
and that we have a whole, which I love what they talk about this, a whole stadium. It's like, if you can imagine, you know, watching the Super Bowl and seeing all of those stands, you know, filled, that's what we have. Each individual has our own stadium of light and we have so much support. And it's up to us though, to take all of that energy and to be able to bring it into our, ex- our, our physicalness because we are energy receivers we're energy containers, and then we're also transmitters. Most people, though, are transmitting their pain, their drama, their chaos, their limitations, their lack, that part of the consciousness. It's not all that way. But the the council wants to help everybody remove those imprints and those programmings that are based in lack and limitation so we can get back into our divine design. As as they say it, it's, you know, based on well-being, we're, we're our bodies have a natural ability to be in alignment with well-being. This this notion of as you get older, your body fails or that you have to take drugs or you have to, you know, your body's deteriorating is a human limited concept. And so is abundance. We've come on this journey with our own skill sets and traits and, and talents to be able to create financial abundance for ourselves, to be successful and to have loving and supportive relationships that all relationships are converging points for each of us individually, because there's billions of people on this planet, most of which we're never going to connect with. No, but the people that are in our lives, whether they piss us off or they, we love them. All of it is converging points for us to grow and expand. And when we really know how to connect with who we really are, the deeper part of us, the part that's breathing us, our divine life partner, then and understand that we're here to thrive and to feel good. We're here to make manifest what we individually want to create in our lives. If every single person knew that they were abundant and every person knew that they were in well-being Mm -hmm. and that they had the ability to create and had the power to create what they wanted, there would be a lot less wars and a lot less pushing against and a lot less, you know, fighting and, and turmoil because each person would be in their complete power. So that that's really the gist of what they're here to teach is that, you know, just like each one of us are human beings, we know that we're a human being and we're not a dog. How? Because we have physical characteristics. We speak, right? We have, we're upright. We have two legs. We don't have any tails. We don't have any beaks or wings. We're human beings. We're blueprinted to be like that. Same way an acorn seed becomes an acorn tree or an apple seed becomes an apple seed. It, on the physicality, we understand that. But in the energetic realm, what's, what's blueprinted for us is those four aspects, well-being, abundance, success, and loving and supportive relationships. Hmm. One of the things that you mentioned that was, I found really interesting is that, that we're human beings. Um, you know, it, it, this is always sort of a, not a topic for me because I have no proof that I'm a human being or that you're a human being. I don't know. I'm not even sure what a human being is. Who came up with the word human being? Correct. And, um, I mean, on a quantum level, I really don't exist. Right. Well, you do, but you're just energy and, and not, not just energy. You're part of the quantum soup, if you will. You're part of the quantum realm. There's no separation. And that's one of the things I wrote about in Quantum Success, one of my latest books, was that you know, who we know ourselves to be, all the programming, all the years that we've been on the planet, all the successes, all the perceived failures, all of our experiences, situations, 
is only 4% of who we really are. The rest of it, the 96% is the energy that's literally flowing through us that we're connected with, that we're, we can pull energy from that in that collective consciousness. So we're more energy than we are physical. But when someone's in their physical body and this is what they, they see their reality is what they can see, touch, taste, and smell, what they can physically, you know, interact with. Most of those people are coming from a very limited perspective of only knowing themselves as that human being, that 4%, this meat suit, and let's go to work and make the money and let's struggle and, you know, do that kind of stuff because they don't know what they're connected to. They don't know what's breathing them and really what they are a part of, what they're going to return to when this body, when the, when the divine and that energy force is done with each one of us, and it will be, we all know that, that all of us will transition into, you know, our bodies will be dead at some point. There'll be no life in our bodies. That life force continues on and that collective consciousness goes back into non-physical. So how do I connect this clump of skin and hair that I am now that's 4% of what I actually am to the other 96%. So a really good way of doing that is just by contemplating that. If you would just even start to contemplate yourself as more than this bio suit and you start to feel like what is, what is life? I mean, how do they, how does someone know? How does the doctor say, Oh, this person is pronounced dead or this person we can see is alive? Well, your eyes are moving, your brain, you know, you're thinking, you're speaking. Even if you're just even not speaking or moving, you could check. They, we check the vital signs, right? Is the heart beating? Is, is the person breathing? Is there a pulse? These are things that we know that have life moving through us because if it's a dead body, those things don't exist. So just even contemplating what is beating your heart? What is pulsating that blood through your body what is creating that oxygen what is creating that pulse what what is you know that mind activity that's energy that whether you call it god or the divine or infinite intelligence or you know quantum intelligence whatever you call that that life force is what's partnering with us this shell of a person to this bio suit, whatever you want, just human being, whatever you want to term it, right? This physical expression. We're not just one or the other. We're both and, but we're in this body for a very short period of time. And it wasn't come to struggle. It wasn't come to just try to pay the bills and collect stuff, you know, gather more bigger houses and, and cars and stuff. We're here to expand. We're here to create. We're here for the joy of it. We're here for the expansiveness and who we become in the process of this life experience. Hmm. Um, but then obviously the next question is, um, why do we come here to have this experience? When, especially one of the things I struggle with is like, why am I here to have this experience? Knowing that my previous state without the physical body was much more pleasant. Well, that's just it, is that we come into these physical bodies to create, because think about it. If something we want to experience, when you think about like a little kid playing with a Lego, right? Like why does a little kid play with Legos and build stuff? For the fun of it, for the creativity of it. And it's the same kind of thing from a a big exponential level is the divine individualized itself through each and every one of us. And none of us are the same. We're all very different. We're all diverse. And that's, I mean, if all of us were exactly the same, the divine would be very bored. 
I mean, think about the dinosaurs, you know, the design, the dinosaurs really couldn't do much. They couldn't create much. So what did the divine do? Wiped them all out. Let's start over. Let's create a consciousness inside of a man and a woman that can then become more. And when you think about it, it's like the evolvement and the creativity. If I look at just like in my lifetime, how we listen to music. I remember when I was a kid, we had those big vinyls, right? And we had the eight tracks. And then, the, you know, for example, the eight tracks went into cassettes and then we went into, D, you know, CDs. And now we don't even have any of that unless we have had it before. It's all downloadable music. I mean, just even the way that we listen and enjoy music has evolved. And that's creativity. That's innovation. That's expansion. It's it. And that's what it's really for, for the enjoyment of it. It feels good to have your hands in something where you create something, whether it's me creating a book and then having that book birth out, whether it's creating a baby and then having that baby, you know, become now something. I watched my 11 and 12 year old, you know, starting to live their own lives and having their own success. And as a mom, I sit back and go, oh my gosh, that's so cool, right? It's like my creations are now creating and we are as above, so below. It's a spiritual principle, we are an extension of the divine. So what is true for us is true for the divine in the sense that, wow, that feels so good to watch them succeed. It feels so good to create something. It feels so good to, you know, know that I put my attention and focus on something and to see something pop into a manifestation. We're here to make manifest the divine in physical form. Hmm. So that brings up two other questions. Um, one, I, if I look around, I see a lot of people not creating. So then what are they doing here? And then the other question is, who is the divine? Where does the divine come from? And I would much rather be the divine than be a creation or something else. Well, so so for the first question, go ahead and repeat that again. What was your first question? Oh, um, the first question is... Um, you know, if, oh, we're, if we're here to create, you know, it seems like maybe only 5% of people are actually creating. And then the rest so, are sort of living as slaves. So that's just part of the process, right? It's like a game. If you're going to play a game, mm -hmm. it's like the veils go over, right? We know who we are. We know what we're connected to when we're these little beings, you know, little baby beings. And then we get planted into like a little garden, right? And our families, our family of origin is that garden. That garden shapes us. And it, it, you know, for me, I, I grew up in a family that was upper middle class in Scottsdale, Arizona. But my mom and dad, no matter what I did, no matter what they did, no matter what they had, no matter what they achieved, it's never enough. They are, my mom and dad are still alive. They're 85 and 89, complain and worry about everything constantly. They, they don't have any gratitude in their body because they're constantly worried and freaked out about what's coming next. And for me to break away from that type of thinking and to move out of a lack mentality into abundant mentality, that was like I remembered who I was. And that remembering was like freeing. And now I get to create, right? Now I get to be different than them. But most people don't have that awakening like I did. When my sister committed suicide 25 years ago, it, it's, and a lot of times it's that tragedy, it's that, you know, huge awakening, it's that calling for something more that we know there's something deeper within us. We know that this wasn't the way it's supposed to be. 
There's got to be more than this. And those people that are willing to ask those questions and then explore that, those are the people that start realizing, wait, I'm not just this thing. I'm not just my environment that I grew up, not lack. Life's not supposed to be just full of struggle and, and drama. And there are a lot of people that are more now than ever starting to realize that, wait, it's not supposed to be like this. Why did I sign up for this? Like you're saying, why did I, why did I come here when I was in pure potentiality, when I was in, you know, connection with, with the divine. And that's where it's like that, that game. It's like we take off the veils and realize, oh, who I really am is part of the divine. I am an extension of the divine and I can, I am a creator. And to say that I don't want to create, right? It's like, well, that's what the divine does. The divine wants to create. Energy is always moving. It's always forming. It's moving in and out of things. It crystallizes things and decrystallizes other things. It, it, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So, you know, all of us that send this thing called the divine, it's always been around. It just started to create. And then, like I said, you know, an example is kind of a kid playing with a Lego set and they're like, ah, I don't like that. So they destroy it and then they, they create something new. We are creators and that's just an extension of who we are. And then the other question was, um, you know, if, if I'm a creator and I'm this extension of the divine, you know, who is the divine or what is the divine? And the other aspect is it, to it is, I would much rather be the divine, the creator, rather than an extension of it. So you are both though. You are, you are, it's like saying you have to separate the wave from the ocean, right? The wave is part of the ocean. And when the wave goes out and it goes back in, it becomes back. I mean, it never was not part of the ocean, but when the wave goes out and then it comes back in, it's part of that collective ocean again. And so there's no way we can, unless our minds tell us we're separated from it, there's no way we can ever separate from it. It's a constant. It's unchanging. The The divine is something that we have to know from a direct experience. You and I could talk about it all day, but it's all knowing. It's all present. It's in everything. It's energy. So some people might call it God or like I said, they have different names for it. Basically, it's energy and energy is always moving through everything physical you can't look at anything that is formed in this physical world and say that there's not some form of energy because everything, even if it's a rock, has a very dense energy. I mean, scientists have proven it. Quantum physicists have said it. Einstein talked about it, that everything is energy and that all energy carries a vibration and that vibration matches with other vibrations and draws that to us. That's why everybody has very, very different lives because what we are vibrating, we are attracting to us. That's law of attraction. Hmm. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, part of me believes the law of attraction, but there's a part of me that believes more, well, actually, there's a lot more of me that believes in the law of probability that every probability that ever could happen will happen exists on some other dimensional level and by focusing my attention 
to more specific probabilities, then I'm more likely I am to have those outcomes rather than attracting magnetically a positive outcome. Well, it's actually both and when you really think about it, because if you if you have pure potentiality, right, any, like you literally have this energy that can flow into a container. It's like going over to, you know, a, a faucet. And if you if you don't have a container to put the water in, you can't take that water with you. It's going to go right down the drain. So we are that container of potentiality. We are that container of probability and possibility. And then we are also, though, our own individual consciousness. So it's kind of like the best way I could describe it is like if you go to the movies, we are the movie projector. We are we are the projector. And what we put into our minds is the movie that we're projecting onto the screen. The light that comes into the projector is constant and consistent. It will always be there. So but and so is the the projector. Yet, what are we putting into the uh, into the mind? Are we are we watching a horror film or are we watching a romantic comedy? You know, like what film, what visions, what vi you know, what what um, imagination, what mental are we putting out there? Because, like you're saying, you have probabilities, you have potentiality, but if we are closing it down and we are constantly worried and afraid or feeling guilty or shamed or expecting disappointments, that's what we are going to project onto the, the outer reality of our lives. But if we, and I've seen this with myself and hundreds of thousands of clients through the years, is as we shift our consciousness from lack, from limitation, from struggle, from separateness, which always feels bad. If we're feeling bad, we're in lack. And as we are feeling bad, what we send out, we continue to feel that same thing because we are attracting everything to us and nothing is asserted. So if we are shifting our own individual consciousness, that light comes through the projector. But now we're seeing a very, very different film, that, out, that which is the out picturing in our lives. So all I have to do is visualize the life I want and it will happen. No, it's not that easy. Not that simple. I wish it was. Um, it's visualizing what you desire, but also feeling the way you want to feel. And in every single person, the reason anybody would have a goal or a vision or a desire, that's what I talk about in my latest book, The Desire Factor, is that if we have a desire and we are very, very myopic, we are very, very specific on that one thing, a lot of times people get attached to that and then we are not open to like you're saying, all the other possible and probable things that could happen. For example, if I'm really wanting this one house and I'm visualizing living in this house, maybe I don't get that house. But as my energy is open to abundance, there might even be a better house in a better location with more things that I'd want. So visualizing is an important thing for us to attune to. But when we're attached, one of the principles I talk about in the desire factor is that surrendering is surrendering any attachments, any negative thoughts, any disbeliefs, any perspectives that go against what we desire so that we can feel an expansiveness. It's really not just about the visualization. We have to, we have these minds, right? And we have to focus the minds either on what we want or what we don't want. Because as we focus on what we don't want, we feel bad. As we focus on what we do want, we feel good. It's part of it. It's not all of it. 
Interesting. Um, but if I'm able to focus on what I want and feel how I want to feel, then I've already achieved it because I just want to feel a certain way. Exactly. You know, so, so then I'm feeling a certain way without even having what I want. Well, that's, that's another principles and desire factor. Again, it's the principle of having every single person, whatever we want, we've all been trained as human beings that if you want something, you have to go get something. If you want to be happy, you've got to go make money. If you want to be successful, you got to get the promotion. If you want to be joyful or you want to feel secure, you have to do this. And most of us have been taught, I know I certainly was, that you got to have this, 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 and then you can be happy. And that's what happened to me over 25 years ago is I went and got the degree. I went and got the career. I had the money in the bank. I had the man at the altar. I mean, all of these things. And I was like, I am miserable. How come these were the things I were told that if I get them, if I achieve them, then I will be happy. And I was more miserable than I ever was. It was like, it was a big lie. So what if this is not true. What if attaining these things is not what I'm after? What is it that I'm after? And it's the connection to the divine. It's the connection to what the divine represents. Because now I can literally just close my eyes and feel the energy of joy. And I'm not assigning my joy to a pile of money or a bigger house or a diamond ring or my husband or my kids or anything else outside of me. It's all an internal connection. And when you are in the having of really what it is that you desire, whether it's well-being or abundance or success or passion or purpose or freedom, when you're feeling that, you are a vibrational match to it. And now you're not attached to this thing that you think is going to go make you feel that way because you're already fulfilled. Hmm. And that's when things now, opportunities, situations, people actually get attracted because you're already at that vibrational a frequency, you're already at that vibrational equivalent to what it is that you said you wanted. So what happened to you when you reached that point where you had everything that you thought you wanted and you're still miserable or unhappy or feeling unfulfilled? Well, I, I literally thought, well, okay, so it's not the outer things. What is it? And I went back to the Catholic Church, nothing wrong about being Catholic, but that's how I was raised. I thought, okay, well, maybe I can find some kind of answers there. And I felt even more depressed because I went there and I'm like, ugh. So I, I kept searching and searching and nothing I was in my mind thinking was going to do it was working for me. And so... I just kind of surrendered and was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to truly be happy. And so I surrendered it and all the events led me to move to California. And I met a guy, the last bad boy that I ever dated because I was very attracted to men that were abusive and, you know, did drugs and alcoholics and cheaters and all that. Mm -hmm. And moved to California, found out he was cheating on me and I broke up with him. But one person I met through him happened to cut hair. So I needed my hair cut. And I went to go see Janine and I was having a conversation with her. And I noticed she had, I didn't have this language back then, but she was different than anybody I had ever met. And I noticed that and I was intrigued by that. And I finally just being as blunt as I am, I said to her, okay, what do you do? And she says, I meditate. Now for me, this is way before the internet. This is way before any person I had ever met meditated. So in my mind, I have this vision of some guru guy sitting in a white cloak 
you know, with a long beard sitting on a mountaintop in a yogi position, oming. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, she just totally busted my paradigm of what I thought people look like that meditate. Because here she was this hip, you know, styled woman that lives in San Ramon, California and has a dog and a husband. And, and I, I was like, whoa, okay, tell me more about this. And she said that I, she works with connecting with her light body. And would I like to meet her meditation teacher? And I said, yes. So I was dialing at a it was big phones. I was dialing her out of the salon. And I finally got together with Melanie about a week later. I went to her house and there was, you know, rainbow colors of flags. And, and I came in and clinky, clanky music and, you know, candles everywhere and incense and statues of angels. And I thought, where in the heck and what am I doing here? And she sat me down on a cushion on the floor, not on a couch, not on a chair. And she looked at me just dead straight in the eyes. And she said, you create your own reality. And something in me just went like, I knew that to be true. I knew that truth. And then my mind kicked in and said, how, how, how do I create my own reality? And so she started, it's our consciousness that creates our reality and what we can break down what the consciousness is. But she said, your thoughts. You're either repelling things from you or attracting things to you based on the way you think. And I, for in that moment, had the realization that, wait a minute, I, what do you mean my thoughts? I thought I was my thoughts. I didn't think that I could change my thoughts. I thought that my opinion and my thoughts on things were mine and that they were truth. They were solidified. And so she asked me to go home for a week, pay attention to my thoughts. And I started to listen to what the, my head was saying to me. And my mind was really negative. It was really mean. I was constantly beating myself up, whether it was a driver in the car next to me, God, I was just constantly critical and judgmental of myself, my body, my parents, everyone. And when I started to, I went back to her and I said, oh my God, I never realized what's going on inside my head before. And she said, that's why you are repelling things from you or attracting things you don't want to you. And so I started meditating and I started calling in. I started feeling my breath, just even starting with my breath, feeling a higher energy, feeling what the energy was. And as soon as I started to do that, my body started changing. I got recruited to work for Pepsi-Cola in, in Sacramento. So I moved out of the Bay Area and moved to Sacramento I met a really wonderful man I was married to and had an eight-year relationship with. Um, you know, things just absolutely started changing for me. And that was the big thing is that by meditating and understanding that, wait a minute, I'm not just my thoughts. I'm my, I create my thoughts. I can choose my thoughts. Uh, that everything started changing for me and has ever since because as I went deeper and as I became more of a student of wanting to know why are some people that seem to have it all, like my parents, they have it all, but they're miserable. They constantly argue and fight. They're, you know, they're always comparing themselves to other people. On the outside, they look perfect, but why are they actually so miserable? I've lived with them. I know the truth. Why are they so miserable? And at the same time, my sister, what, what, how, what, what she did, I could do too. Like she committed suicide. Could I go down that road too? So I started really looking into what's the difference of these different mentalities. And 
what I now teach and what I have come to help so many people, including myself, get out of is that lack mentality, limit, limitation, that drama struggle, victim consciousness, where we feel we are powerless to any circumstances, situation, relationship in our lives is just a lie. It's not the truth of who we are because we are, we have the all powerful. We are co-creating our lives with the complete divine. And so if we are thinking we can't do something or that things are going to turn out bad or that we're always going to be disappointed, that's our consciousness and light will create, it will go in the direction of what we are creating based on where we're putting our focus and our attention. And so it's been my life's mission to even a couple of months ago, I had something that happened that was disappointing and I felt the sadness of it. I felt the anger of it because now I know from the council to master my own energy. I was processing the anger. I was processing the, the sadness. And as soon as I touched upon the, the emotion of disappointment, I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel that. And the council said to me, pull your car over because I was driving. And I pulled my car over and they said, why are you not willing to look at why you're disappointed? Or why are you not willing to process the emotions of disappointment? And all of a sudden I had this movie play in my head of my mom telling me anytime I tried out for cheerleading or softball or the track team or basketball or tennis, anytime I would go out, she would say, now don't be disappointed if you don't get it. That was the rah-rah, like, you know, go get them, kid. That was like, don't be disappointed if you don't get it. And then when I come home and I'd say, oh, I didn't get it, she said, well, life is full of disappointments. This is a program that I had over and over and over. And so I would constantly go after something with the thought of just don't be disappointed. Don't look at the disappointment. Don't feel the disappointment. In that moment, when I heard her say life is full of disappointments, I went, no. Life is full of surprise and delights. Life is full of what I make it full of. And I literally shifted that energy. I shifted that belief. And since then, I mean, everything is like, you know, of course, there's going to be still. We live in a, a universe where there is, in this physical reality, where there is contrast, where there is a whole spectrum of people, situations, circumstances. But when contrast shows up, I have the ability to look at it and go, no, I don't want to keep creating that. I want to create something different. So I'm shifting my focus. I'm shifting my energy. I'm shifting the, the, the fulfillment of what I want to have instead of that. Clearly, I don't want that. I want to have the opposite of that. I don't want to be limited. I want to be free. I don't want to be in fear. I want to be in love. I don't want to be in lack. I want to be in abundance. I you know, I, I want to be supported. I want to be loved. And we all have the choice of what energy we bring in every moment of every day because everything is energy and we are a conduit of that energy. Hmm. You know, meditation was a big game changer for me too. And my, my first meditation teacher, she was a, a Buddhist nun. And she would always quote the Dharmapada. Um, I think it's like the first line of it. Uh, was, with your thoughts, you create your world. Your world is created with your thoughts. And, um, you know... It's one of those things, it's easy to intellectually understand. To put it into practice and, and, and to do it like 24 hours a day, that's a whole nother. <laughs> it's a whole nother level. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm really grateful for about the Quantum Council of Light. I just call them the council because I've had people that have been 
on a path for decades and read the books and they've done the meditation retreats and they've seen the therapist, but because of the practical things that the, the council has taught me, which then we both teach is that, you know, it's like, how do you master your energy? Because that's really what it's about. Your thoughts are energy before there is a thought, there's energy that forms that thought the in the thought creates the belief and the belief is a strong attraction to more evidence that solidifies that belief our emotions are we could literally process our emotions within 90 seconds but most people hold on their emo to emotion to disappointment to fear to anger to resentment their whole entire lives not realizing that when we close our hearts down we close that portal and that opening for the divine connection but when we start to open it up and give ourselves a willingness to come back into that expansive space, these practical things, it's like I said, what is consciousness? Watching your words. What we say creates a, a momentum of then what sets up, sets up for thoughts and beliefs and emotions and actions. So watching your words is essential. Watching your thoughts, changing the thought. When you hear yourself something, I, one day I was, I don't know, it was a decade ago. I was sitting there and I'm like, life is so hard. I heard myself say that and I went, no, life is easy. Life is fun. Life is enjoyable. It's when we hear ourselves saying those limited things or we feel our way into it, we have the free will. Every single one of us have free will and choice to change it and shift it. And when we do, our lives are, reflect that change and that shift. Hmm. You know, it's exhausting, though, to change my thoughts um, you know, or to change my energy. Like, I'm not even sure how to change my energy. But, like, like for example, like, like recently I've gone through a divorce and I've had to move. And my, and my entire life has been turned upside down. So, and to eliminate all those negative thoughts or, or to try to catch those negative thoughts and try to turn them into something positive is exhausting. It's, it's, it, 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 sometimes it's just like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm just going to bed. I'm just going to sleep through the day. It's easier. Yeah. That's why it's easier to manage your emotions because if you're just checking in with yourself, am I feeling good or am I feeling bad? If you're feeling bad, what am I feeling? doesn't even matter. I love what the council says. You don't even have to know what emotion you are feeling. If you know that you are feeling bad, you don't have to sit there and figure out why. You don't have to tell a story about it. You don't have to justify. You don't have to give an excuse. You don't even have to label the emotion. All you need to do is put all of your focus and your energy down into your belly because our belly is where our emotional body is. That's where we usually feel an emotion. It goes there first. And if we close down, that's where we create an imprint. But if we actually are open to feeling the emotions, it's like it goes, it hits us in our gut and then it does this whoosh all around our entire body. We have this visceral cellular experience. We feel it and then it's gone after 90 seconds. But most people, you know, where whether whatever situation or circumstance you're going through, instead of focusing on the thoughts, because I absolutely agree with you, it's feeling the emotions, processing out the emotions so that you can choose a different energy. It's like letting yourself be filled like you're under a waterfall of light be filled with the energy that you want to fill up. Mm -hmm. Because if we are a container, which we are, we are an energy receiver, we're an energy container, and we're an energy transmitter. What's in our container? We have a lot of resentment, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear, a lot of guilt, a lot of doubt. 
Well, that's what we're then projecting out, but we have the choice to change the content of our container. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my other guests, um, she will say to me, um, you know, you know, like, 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 like the situation with, with my, my ex-wife or whatever. She, she's telling me all the time, like, to turn it around and go, don't look at what that person did to you. Look at what they did for you. Exactly. What did you gain out of that relationship? My, I remember my former husband, I'm now married to the same man for 15 years and have two, two boys with him. But my first um, husband, we were together eight years and I was his second marriage. And he said, another failed marriage. And I said, no, this was not a failed marriage. I grew, you grew. There was a lot of love in this, mar- in this marriage, in this eight-year relationship. It, your son, because he had a son from previous marriage, your son grew and expanded because of this relationship. Don't look at this as a failure. This to me was a success because I grew so much in this relationship that I'm now a different person and I'm ready to meet somebody else and say that to him. But you know, it's like, I'm, I'm now a different person so that I met my husband that I'm with now, who is the love of my life. And so it's like, I don't look at that because I went through a divorce as out and that was a failed marriage. That was a relationship in which I grew to the person that I needed to and wanted to become and needed to become in order to create this relationship. Right. But it's hard for me anyway to get past the, the emotional part of it, the loneliness, the frustration, uh, um, you know, th- like those type of emotions, they really are powerful. Um, and trying to change those too is, is hard. So, well, you don't, so need to ch- you don't need to change them. You need to feel them. Like when you're feeling the frustration, feel the frustration. But understand that, you know, we're all interconnected. So the thoughts mm-hmm. create the emotions and the emotions charge up the thoughts. So there's this constant cycling between the thoughts and the emotions. We need to like stop the, like not stop the thoughts, but just go get out of our head. It's like dropping from our head to our heart down into our belly to be able to feel the frustration. Um, some practical things that the council talks about is taking eggs, you know, like real eggs, not hard boiled, but raw eggs. And feeling the egg in your hand and letting yourself feel all of that frustration, all of that anger into the egg Mm -hmm. and then going to a place like I happen to live in Arizona. So I have a desert behind me and we go to the backyard. And if any of us are angry about anything, whether the kids lost a game or a a little girl broke someone's heart, you know, one of their hearts or whatever it might be, something might have happened in my business or someone might have said something rude or, you know, my mom might have upset me about something. We go out to the backyard, take a carton of eggs, feel the frustration, feel the anger, put it into the egg. And then when you like feel the energy in this egg, we throw it as far as we can. And it's so satisfying to see that egg go, you know, so it's like we're getting it out, not by denying it, not by trying to change our thoughts, because if you feel the emotion, if you're feeling the frustration, if you're feeling the anger, it's in there. And the only way to release it is to feel it and process it and let it out of your body, and then to allow yourself to feel compassion. That's one thing that I have gained from the council that has changed so many people's lives. We don't have enough compassion for ourselves. Therefore, we're not allowed to give, we're not able to give compassion to others. And compassion is not, I'll feel sorry for ourselves. A lot of us feel sorry for ourselves. We're in victim consciousness. Like you said, my wife did this to me. 
That's being a victim versus being, well, look what she did for me. That's being empowered. But coming from a place of not processing your emotions and not being able to feel the compassion that, you know what, as a human man in this experience going through divorce, this doesn't feel good. This is a human experience that I'm having in this physical plane that doesn't feel good. I, I, I feel lonely. So you have compassion for yourself that that emotion doesn't feel good. And then it's like, what do you want? Why do you want it? And how do you want to feel? Do you want a new partner? Do you want a new buddy that you can buddy around with? Do you want to live with someone like a roommate? Like, what do you want? Why do you want it? And ultimately, how do you want to feel? Do you want to feel supported, connected, loved? That energy, that divine that's breathing you is the source of everything. It's like the treasure chest of energetic vibrations, like looking at a piano key with all the different vibrations that exist right there. And you get to choose as the piano player what vibration you want to bring in, what energy, what feeling you want to feel. What, but the first key is to processing the time when you're frustrated or angry or whatever it is you're feeling. Most of us suppress all that. Most of our generation, we are taught by our families, don't cry, I'll give you something to cry about. So what do we do? We smoke, we drink, we overeat, we, we do all over shop, we gamble. We're like now we've got the internet that can distract us and social media and all this other stuff. All that stuff distracts from, uh, detracts from really feeling ourselves, feeling that energetic pulsation of the emotion. It's not trying to change it. It's not trying to suppress it. It's feeling it so it processes out. Let yourself be neutralized by that energy of compassion. And then once you are familiar and you're allowing yourself to feel that compassion, then you get to choose a better feeling, whether it's passion or excitement or love or freedom or whatever it is. But those are the three stages. You got to feel it. You got to let yourself be neutralized with the compassion. And then once you feel that, that compassion phase could who long, who knows, it could last minutes or days or weeks. But then you have the opportunities, it neutralizes the negative emotions. If you look at the one of the laws that I talk about is the law of sufficiency and abundance, and it makes sense here with this compassion. If you look at it like a spectrum, on one side is lack, lack always feels bad. On the other side is abundance, abundance always feels good, because that's our connection. It's our divine design. In the middle is satisfaction. That's the tipping point. You can't get from lack to abundance. It's a big leap vibrationally. Most people can't do it. But if you come to a place of what can you be satisfied in your life right now? What positive aspects could you look at? What could you be grateful for? What could you be appreciative of? That neutralizes it. And much like compassion, it's in that same place, that place of fulfillment, compassion, that allows you to then tip into and move into a better place of abundance. Ah, the old gratitude list. That was another thing that my first meditation teacher used to emphasize too, was to kind of sit in the, mor in the morning before or after the meditation to, to kind of write down, you know, 10 things that we were grateful for. That well, here's, day. here's why this works for some and doesn't for others. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to list five things I'm grateful for, which is a very heady example. I'm mm -hmm. listing things. Okay, I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my son, Alex. I'm grateful for my son, Maxim. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for my dog, right? Okay, I've just listed it out. I didn't get into my heart. But when you pick one thing you're grateful for and five reasons why, watch how this changes. I am grateful for my husband. Why? 
because he is so loyal to me. He is so in love with me. He is so funny. He is such an amazing father. And he's always, always there for me and the boys. Now I'm in my heart. Now I'm feeling gratitude because now I'm just dropped into my emotional body about him. And I'm generating those feelings for him instead of just listing. I could list a hundred things that I'm grateful for. My mind isn't focused on the things that I don't want. So it's not saying make a list and that doesn't do any benefit. At least you're not focused on the things that you're pissed off about. Now you're focused on things that you are, but take it a step deeper. It's not just what, it's why. The why generates the energy. The why starts the movement of the energy. The why connects you and that connects you and gets you an identification of what's the ultimate feeling that you want to feel. That's the vibration. That's the principle of having. And when you're in that place, instead of feeling lonely, feeling connected, feeling connected and what that feels like and that having, that's when you start connecting with other people that feel connected. Hmm. That's a pretty cool suggestion. Thank you. I've never really <laughs> thought of it that way. You know, to, to look at why I'm grateful for something rather than just, all right, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. Interesting. I'm going to have to yeah. give that a try. Yeah. I'll um, do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, abundance. You know, a lot of times when I see these abundance type of stuff, I mean, honestly, sometimes it makes me cringe a little bit because when I hear the word abundance, I think automatically think like money and the big house and, and, and the, the happy family unit and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, and to me, like that seems superficial. And also, I think people wanting abundance just in life in some ways is superficial um, because they weren't only looking for the good things and we're basically excluding 50% of what we're here to experience. Um, am I wrong in that? 100%. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to say. Here, and here's why I'll say that is because abundance is who we are. When you think of just even the makeup of your physical body, it's the nature of our universe. Our physical bodies have an abundance, tens of trillions of cells. Just even who our, what our physical body is, is abundant. How many breaths do you take in a day? You can't sit there and count them. It's an abundance amount of breaths. It's an abundance amount of times your heart beats. You know, our, I, we have an abundance amount of thoughts that happen. I mean, we are abundant. And if you even go out as an extension of just us and look out at the universe, you look out on a starry night, you cannot count how many stars are in the sky. They're now discovering and have discovered that there's an abundance of galaxies that even exist beyond what we've even been able to explore. Take it more granule. If you go out to a yard, try to count how many blades of grass there are. You can't, there's an abundance. Or how many leaves are on a tree? Or how many birds exist? Or go out to the ocean. How many waves crash up? I've actually tried to count. It's like, I, I can't count it. It's an abundance. How many ounces of water are in the ocean? It's an abundance. We don't even know half of the stuff that's going on in the oceans because we haven't been able to explore the massive parts of it. It's abundant. Go, go to the Sahara Desert and try to count the grains of sand. 
there's evidence of abundance. So abundance is not just about money in a big house and all that, but the fact that someone has money in a big house and a happy family, if you're like, that's so superficial, that's a limiting belief. Because why, why is that bad? Everything that is created here is created with the divine, the misery and the abundance, the, the small shack of a house and the big mansion. Everything is created in abundance. And if someone is superficial, let's just talk about that for a minute. If they're shallow, if they think that, you know, the money and the house, and there are people that, you know, that have a lot of money and are also greedy. But there's a lot of people that have a lot of money and are very generous. And so it's a spectrum. And we get to decide, I want to be connected with my abundance. I want to have the beautiful house to live in and the fun car to drive and the places to take my kids and the vacations to go on and the wonderful place, you know, wonderful places to eat and, you know, the wonderful dining experiences and the money in the bank. So I have the security so I can have that freedom to go in different places. Why is that bad? Because what I have is denying somebody else. No, your creation is your creation. If you starve yourself to death, is that going to help somebody else that's starving in a different country have more food? I don't know. Everything is connected. Yeah, but when we are energetically expanding into abundance, more people get to feel that expansiveness of abundance. By denying our natural, I mean, the the blueprint, like the council says, our natural well-being, we can't make ourselves sick enough so that somebody else can get better. Technically, though, a human being should be able to live without food and just live off of the prana in the air. Yeah, but realistically, do we? So if see, we're see, here, I don't know if realistic would be the word for that. I mean, I think realistically, the word, the answer would be yes. We, I mean, that's what we should be doing, but we don't because we're selfish. Well, here we are in a human experience, doesn't it? feel good to have a nice meal? Doesn't it feel good to have your belly full? If you're going to go eat something, doesn't it feel good to eat something that you enjoy and that you like? Whether it's plant-based or, you know, so wh- whatever. Maybe, but also it would feel nice not to have that craving for food. That's total detachment. That's a very, very rare individual that can you know it's like the monks right like you were talking about the buddhist or, or, monks. or like smoking like smoking like it can felt fulfilling to have that cigarette all the time but that craving sucked yeah but once i quit and got past that craving it's like ah freedom and i wonder right. if it's like that with everything in life with with food with money with wanting shelter and companionship if, if we if i could learn to do without all those things, then I would be completely 100% free. Well, that's just the thing there. See, there's the mind again. If I could do away with all these things, why can't you just feel free without having to do away with all these things or have these things? Because maybe that freedom is not real freedom. Maybe the real freedom is no attachment at all. Freedom is a feeling. So whether it's, whether it's, if you're feeling freedom and you have all these things, or you're feeling freedom and you don't have all these things, the bottom line is the feeling. That's what we were talking about before. It's like, it's the bottom line feeling. Whether you have to give up all your worldly possessions to feel free, or you have to go acquire everything to feel free, 
well, there's people that experience both of those things. The bottom line feeling that they want is freedom. It's not about the outer stuff. It's about the connection to that freedom, which we have that choice right here in this moment to feel free right here, right now, depending, doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. Doesn't matter what your prior, previous circumstances or situations that got you to this point. If you want to feel totally free, feel totally free right now. That's the connection that you have to the energy that's breathing you. What exactly is a feeling? It's an energetic connection. It's a, it's a pulsation of energy that we bring into our container. So it's, it's even beyond. It's like feeling free. It, it, it goes beyond us, but it's connection to energy. So does that make me wrong, wanting to completely shed myself of all these desires? Not at all. But the book I, I wrote with the council that downloaded through me is the desire factor. Because a lot of times people will say, oh, I have no desires. But desires are a connection point between us and the divine. Because what happens is for our own personal development and growth, the divine knows us. And the divine knows what would get us going or not. What we would be like, ooh, what would make you want to desire to start a podcast, which would make you desire to give up all your worldly possessions, which would desire you to create your dream home, would desire you to run for president of the United States or not. That connection comes through us. And when we feel that, oh my gosh, I would love that. I'd love to travel there. I'd love to experience that. I'd love to find a new partner. I'd love to create a family. I'd love to get out of this relationship. Whatever that desire is, that grows and expands us. And that's the point. It's not about the end result or the end desire. But what most people do is they feel this desire for something. They say, oh, I shouldn't desire Desires are bad. Desires are of evil. Oh, you know, desires are the root of all suffering. Mm -hmm. No, it's our attachments to the, to the, to the desires that are the root of all suffering. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like in, in, in a way, it just sounds like a little bit of wordplay to me. You know, it's um, energy. It's a feeling, right? If there's an attachment, that's what you're, you're, you're a slave to that attachment. You're not free. Like one of the issues I also come across with the whole desire, like wanting to be desireless, wanting to be desireless is a desire. And then I'm just kind of stuck anyway. <laughs> right? One way to look at it. Yeah. So so I'm never going to get over the desire of being, wanting to be desireless. But well, then, I, then, then you, automatically that's, that's... I've stuck myself into like this endless cycle. Well, that's my question. Why would you want to get rid of desires if desires are something that even just if you're hungry, your body's hungry, what do you desire to eat? Why would you want, you know, why would you just want to, I want to be able to make a choice. Hey, I want to go out for breakfast or I want to go make myself some breakfast or I want to, you know, eat this or I want to eat that. These are individual desires. We are individually creating our own lives and our own life experiences. Hmm. See, why would we want why would we want to get rid of desires unless we believe we can't have the desires that's where the suffering comes in right see I mean my desire would be to spend eternity in a complete state of ecstasy and you can 
because ecstasy is a space, it's an energy. So if you attune to that energy of ecstasy every single moment of every single day, you could do that. Hmm. I haven't met anybody who's done that yet. You could be the first. Here's the, here's the thing is that I'm here to help people because I was one of those people that had misery and would have moments of joy. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a person that has just an absolute life of joy with a moment of pain or a moment of contrast. And then I have now the tools to get me back into that feeling and expression of joy. And that's where most people are. They're in misery, having moments of joy. Let's have more people in joy. And when the contrast pulls them out of that joy, they know exactly what to do to get back into their life of joy. That's mm-hmm. what's possible. And that's what I've, I've seen for myself. And that's what I've seen for my clients. And that, that really is possible. Well, sure, because you're just switching your point of view from a negative to a positive. Yes, but it's also the pain body, going from the pain body into the love body. It's, it's changing the whole consciousness, what we say, what we think, what we perceive, what we feel, and how we act. I suppose. <laughs> it, it's a big pill to swallow. You know that, right? It's, that's what I'm saying. The council has literally broken it down so that you know, you can do practical things. I mean, just by practical tools that they teach. And, to, you know, it just, that's why I feel so grateful. I'm so grateful that I am able to channel them because when I first started channeling them years ago, um, it was that feeling of, wow, I'm really connected to so much more than myself. And when I feel limited, when I'm stuck in my own thoughts, when I'm stuck in a situation, when I'm angry at a certain person, I know that I can just ask for that help from light, from the divine, and my, my energy shifts. And what we're talking about is freedom, to have that free will and choice where our free will is in alignment with divine will. That, that's, for me, utopia. Would that mean that all our will is the same? Well, no, because there's the well, divine if, will. If all, if all our will is heading back to the divine, that would mean that everybody has the same. Well, we will. have we have the same divine will, but we all have free will. Mm-hmm. So we have free will. People have free will to stay stuck in misery their whole entire lives. They have that free will. They have that choice. There's nothing that's imposed on them. The divine will will stay in the consistent place of love and appreciation and harmony and peace and abundance and, you know, well-being. That's where the divine stays. That's what divine will is all about. But if, they, if the, there's a mismatch between the, if the divine will and the, the free will of a person, that's alignment. It's the first principle I talk about in the desire factor, alignment. When the personality, it, their free will is so focused on resentment and not forgiving and staying stuck in what's happened to them and how bad they have it they have that choice that's where they their free will is but it's totally out of alignment with divine will and that's why they're miserable so how do i get myself aligned well by connecting with the energy of the divine connecting with the energy of how you do want to feel first by releasing it's like i talked about those three step process 
feeling when you're feeling anger, feeling when you're feel when you're feeling that frustration. It takes 90 seconds to let waves of emotions literally release. Work with the council, you know, ha- have that practical energy just moved out of you and then come into a place of compassion. Allow yourself not to feel sorry for yourself, but have compassion. And then you can choose how you do want to feel. I- I've had so many different situations where, um, I'll just give an example. This is popping in my head. I remember years ago, several years ago, I was coming out of a grocery store. I was all happy. I was, you know, had my tea. I was getting back in my car. And all of a sudden, this, this very loud, it was like a, a yellow Camaro comes screeching around and almost hit me in the parking lot as I'm getting in. So I must have looked shocked. And the woman, before I can even get in my car, she didn't even park her car. She must have saw my expression of shock. And she gets out of her car and starts swearing at me. What the F is your problem? And, and I'm looking at her like I felt my amygdala was just totally hijacked. I was like in complete shock. And usually I'm, I can, you know, say something back, but I was like, what is happening? So I got in my car and I drove away. And cause I didn't want to get into confrontation with her. And I was angry. It's like, what the hell did I des- you know, do to deserve that? You know, I got into my victim mode and I got into a place of like, I am mad. And what the hell is this woman's problem? And, you know, and then I realized, wait a minute, you're angry, feel the anger. So I started to feel the anger. Like I didn't deserve that. That felt crappy, you know, feeling that and pulsating the anger. I let the anger release. And then I started feeling compassion. No, as a human being, having that experience did not feel good. In that moment, I was in a good mood. So I just felt the compassion for myself, like, like someone just coming and just giving you a big, solid, like energetic hug of just, it's okay. It's going to be okay. You're right. You didn't deserve that. It's all going to be okay. So I then calmed myself down. And then I thought about her and I thought, wow, she must really be out of alignment. She must really be either having a bad life or a bad day or something. And with that, I was able to like send compassion to her. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to let her ruin my day. And I started feeling, what do I want to feel again? I was feeling joy. I want to feel the joy. So I was feeling, I started feeling the energy of joy again. This took minutes. Whereas years ago, I'd still be talking about that B, you know, and going on and on about her. Because I would have resentment and I would hold that resentment because Everything is an opportunity for either us to say, okay, that's contrast. I don't want that. What do I want? Why do I want it? How do I want to feel? And what can we find the positive aspects in our lives? I'm grateful. I don't live like that. I'm grateful. I don't have, she's not my wife. I'm grateful that that's not my mom, right? I'm grateful that I have the people in my life that I have. I have conscious people around me. I'm grateful that I know how to process my energy when something like that happens. I mean, I was, I I was verbally attacked out in front of my house. We were getting ready to, to leave on my 50th birthday party for, you know, my husband was taking me out for dinner and he, he rented me a Maserati, a convertible Maserati to drive for the night. I was so excited. I was going out for dinner with him and my best friend and her husband. And this woman came and blocked our, the car blocked our driveway. She was delivering something next door. And my husband says, you can, can you please leave? You know, and, and I said, yeah, it's usually not a good idea to block someone's driveway. And she verbally attacked me, started calling me all sorts of names. And I got in my car and I felt my anger. I felt my compassion. And then I felt, this is my, this is my birthday. I'm going to feel my joy. 
and I started feeling joy and it was, it was done. Situations happen in life, but we have to know how to master our own energy because that's what it really comes down to. And that's what the council is here to teach all of us to do. And I am so grateful that I know, know what I, I now know what I know. Well, it takes you 90 seconds to think through it would take me a week. No, it's 90 seconds to process because the vibration I, I, there's, 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 of energy. There's no way I could go through that entire process that quickly. It's not 90 seconds to go through the whole process. It takes 90 seconds to process the wave, like the anger. Mm -hmm. That's 90 seconds to feel the actual, to go into your belly and to feel the pulsation. Everything's energy. To feel that pulsation of anger in my body, feeling it release, letting myself feel it. And it got big and it big and big and it got bigger. And then it, it released. And then you feel the compassion. Sometimes the compassion could take you a week. Sometimes it could take you a couple of minutes like it did. I've been practicing this for a while now, so I'm able to go through it very quickly. But the compassion is the state you want to get to because mm. at least you're now in that place of starting to feel better. I guess. I mean, sometimes it's just easier just to smack a person. Then I feel better right away. True. Smack each other I, I, a little bit and then when you're done, you shake hands and it's over. That's such a that's such a man thing to say. <laughs> let me, let me just let me just there, punch you in the face. But there is some truth guys. to it, though. Like, like there's like this weird thing where like you get in a physical confrontation with somebody, and then when you're done, you're done, and, and you're able to shake hands and be friends again. Like because all that energy, all that buildup is gone. Usually, you end up feeling better than you did prior to the fight because you've unleashed I'll just have to take, all that. I'll stuff. have to take your word for it on that. <laughs> You've never been in a street fight? No. No? When I, was, when I was in seventh grade, I picked on the little girl, and then she beat me up. So that was enough for me. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I mean, it would take me a while to be able to process things the way you do. Well, that's a belief. I have taught men and women mm -hmm. how to process their energy, and they are amazed at how quickly they can process their energy. I, I've had people say to me, I can't meditate. I'm like, well, that's a belief. And as soon as they change that belief, they're like, I just said, just be open to meditating. And they were open to it. And then all of a sudden they can meditate. So whenever we tell ourselves is one of the things that I'd love to give all your listeners. I have a, a program that's a free program called Watch Your Words. You could go to watchyourwords.com. There are 30 days of phrases and words that we say, like, there's no way I can't, right? These are these words that come from a belief that is limiting, that limit us from shifting and to being open to, hey, I, I be, I'm open to learning how to do that. If that is that easy, I would love to do that. I can learn how to do that. If you could do that, I could do that. That's way different than there's no way I could do that. True. You're already shutting down the energy. You're already shutting down the possibilities. Oh, so You're already I, shutting so down I, the learning. So, so I can do it. You could do it. Everybody could do it. If I could do it, and I've taught hundreds of thousands of people to do it, you certainly could do it too. We got to start watching our words like can'ts and shoulds and, you know, those kind of things. So watchyourwords.com. I teach you what are the words and phrases. This would be really good for you. What are the words and phrases that we want to eliminate from our vocabulary? Why? And what do we say instead? That's, that's where we, that's where we start. That's how you start mastering your energy is watching your words. Oh, pretty heavy duty stuff there. 
Well, you asked the question, so I went where you where you led me to. <laughs> oh. but I don't know. I don't know if I really exist. So my one, <laughs> I the one really answering, asking these questions anyway. I don't know. Uh, it was a pleasure talking with you today. You too. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. being on. And before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you and find your books? So you could go to watchyourwords.com. That's a really good place. You can go to christywhitman.com. That's my main website. And my books are anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, local bookstores. You can uh, just call ahead and see if they have it. And if not, they can order them for you. But um, they're all over the internet, books a million. You can go to thedesirefactor.com. That's my latest book. Okay, so. awesome. Well, I'll put the links to those uh, websites and to your books in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you. Uh, you'll probably have to send me those links, though, because I don't think I have them. Okay. And um, you know, it was great talking to you. Thank you for being on. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. This is a great conversation. Awesome. Hang on for one second, and I'm just going to play the outro.